formation. He's going for the corner. He's got it. Texas is back. The kicker. The kicker comes through. We're back. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another off-season episode of Fire Tom Herman, your overreactionary Texas Longhorns football fan podcast where today we are focused on this upcoming weekend's orange-white spring game, the centerpiece of the athletic department's newly christened Made in Austin weekend, which is going to feature the Longhorn Run, Texas baseball's playing Kansas State at Dish Falk Field, and the standard Texas football game day experience, including Bevo Boulevard and Longhorn City Limits all around DKR for the spring game. Longhorn City Limits will also be headlined by Ludacris, best known as that that rapper that you really loved back in junior high. But without further ado, my name is Gordog24P, joined as always by my co-host Tuxedos9. And I gotta say, Tux, this is a pretty big weekend for Texas for more reasons than just what's going to happen on the football field. Oh, yeah. And first of all, let me just say it's good to be back after our short little break. But now we get to actually focus on football, and it feels great. In this spring game, we're also going to have a lot of visitors. Now, what's important is that um, OU, A&M, and Texas have their spring game pretty much on the same weekend. OU has moved theirs up to Friday due to some bad weather conditions, or so they say. But now uh, we get to basically see a preview of which schools are going to sign which recruits. Because recruits in this region, if they're just trying to decide between the three teams, well, they're going to go to the one they favor the most, right? You'd think so. That That's usually a good sign. Um, it, it was going to be really interesting up until like literally right before we started recording and OU announced that they were moving their spring game to a Friday night kick. Um, it was going to be Oklahoma and Texas A&M were going to be the middle of the day Saturday and us on Saturday night, so it, w- it was basically going to be the measuring stick for all three programs to try and figure out uh, where they stood in the pecking order for a lot of these guys. You're going to, like you said, you're going to go to the one that you favor the most, and it was going to really sort of show everyone's cards uh, for in-state recruiting, and especially for this Texas team, it's, it's going to be very important. We've got um, some out-of-state visitors that are going to be coming in, a lot of defensive recruits. The, the class still does not have any defensive recruits even since our last episode Mookie Cooper uh, who we had on on the offensive side he decommitted which was interesting because it happened literally like the day we released our podcast episode talking about how excited we were that he committed and then we also picked up commitment from Jaden Hullaby uh, who sort of projects to that h-back tight end fullback sort of position for us but all five of our commits right now are on the offensive side of the ball Uh, three of those are offensive line commitments so it'll be real interesting to see especially which defensive guys for me that's what I'm really looking for especially along the defensive line the much maligned Oscar Giles see how he's doing recruiting this year Um, see if the guys that Tom Herman is supposedly personally recruiting see how many of those guys show up yeah and just another quick point I'm also interested to see which defensive backs show up because Right now, there's a ton of defensive backs, and they're all undecided. And, you know, they're going to kind of play their cards, and we get to see who they're favoring. Yep, absolutely. Um, with all that, that, uh, that brings us to the, uh, the downside of what happened over the spring practice. We sustained a lot of injuries. Tux, why don't you go ahead and cue the music? First off, 
Uh, QB1, Sam Ellinger was sick. Second, Colin Johnson rehabbing his knee from the previous season, so he's going to be missing some time. Then Devin Duvernay uh, had some fancy pants on that apparently the athletic department has bought. Found out he has a pubic bone stress injury that kept him out most of spring practice. Breaking news, Kirk Johnson finally healthy. No, hold up, Tux. Actually, Kirk Johnson is out with a stinger again. Sorry about that. Oh, well, my bad. Keandre Coburn had kidney issues, but still playing a little bit. And then Brandon Jones finally got surgery uh, for the ankle injury that was hampering him last year. Marquez Bimage had a shoulder injury. Brew McCoy, also a shoulder injury that he had gotten in high school. He was nursing that throughout spring practice. Tackle Christian Jones had a high ankle sprain and missed plenty of practices. Rob slash Max Cummins, uh, part-time defensive lineman, part-time tight end, he had knee surgery. Caden Stearns also had knee surgery and he's out for the spring. B.J. Foster picked up yet another concussion, his second since he got to campus. Chris Brown with a, a lung issue that we're unclear about. And probably most heartbreaking for us, uh, Gabriel Floyd. Um, diagnosed with spinal stenosis um, from an injury sustained in high school uh, that our our athletic team, our, our trainers and everything have decided is going to keep him out for all of the 2019 season. Well, that injury um, doesn't mean the worst for Texas, but it means that DeGabriel Floyd will be missing plenty of time, at least during this first year. He's going to have to redshirt. There are other cases like uh, Jarvis Jones, who was a linebacker at USC, who went on to transfer to Georgia because they medically cleared him. And then he went on to the NFL and was a first round draft prospect. So it's not all bad, but it's not looking good. Yeah, it's certainly not looking good for DeGabriel Floyd. And it's especially not looking good for us. Uh, DeGabriel Floyd was basically the prized recruit uh, of this very large linebacking recruiting class. But he figured to be a guy who was going to make an instant impact for this defense. So it really hurts to see him go down um, for any significant amount of time. Especially in a season where we already had all of the issues that we talked about with Darian Brown having that seizure blood clot surgery. Which uh, fortunately sounds like his recovery has been going well. Uh, which we're very excited about. But it, it's it been a weird spring practice, to say the least. Yeah, but there are some positives. Um, and, and I guess this is just me looking for the silver lining. Um, with all the injuries to Colin Johnson and Devin DuVernay, we get to see what the next crop of receivers look like, and they're getting first-team reps. And that's going to really pay off during later in the season when we have to let our depth chart shine yeah that's it's definitely not the worst thing in those areas like wide receiver like uh the secondary um mostly especially in the uh the safety room where we have a lot of talent stockpiled and it's giving a lot of guys a chance that they might not have had if brandon jones if caden stearns bj foster if they were all there the entire time uh, so you get guys like DeMarvian Overshone more time. You get guys like Chris Brown, um, who spent most of his time buried on the depth chart. He gets a chance to step up. You get Alvante Woodard. You get Malcolm Epps. You get Brennan Eagles. You get those guys more valuable reps to help them progress. And so you're not spending so much time just continuing to build on known quantities uh, where you have Devin DuVernay and Colin Johnson. We know that those guys can step up when we need them to step up. 
but the guys behind him definitely got a lot of important playing time during spring practice. Yeah, and you know, we also got a a lot of playing time to some of the early enrollees, like Tyler Johnson played a lot in the second team offensive line. We had um, Jordan Whittington, most importantly, getting a ton of reps at running back where he, he is making the transition because he was a wide receiver and safety in high school. So he's going to need a lot of those reps to uh, acclimate to the speed. Yeah, and for Jordan Whittington, it's it's he's... I mean, we'll we'll probably roll straight in from here to our uh, just players that we're looking forward to watching. I don't know about you, but Jordan Whittington for me, I mean, we've been excited for Jordan, Jordan Whittington. Uh, we've talked about him during our recruiting podcast uh, episode. We're, we're super excited. So I, more than anyone else, I want to see how Jordan Whittington looks. Uh, the reviews for both him and Keontae Ingram so far um, through the scrimmages that they've had during spring practice, both of those guys have been getting rave reviews. So I'm super excited to see them actually on TV, on the Longhorn Network, or on the field making plays uh, that aren't just sunshine pumped uh, by 995ers. Yeah, and but we have to remember one thing. These spring game and spring practice reports are kind of zero-sum. So if these guys are going off, it means that there's probably some issue with the defense. But at least for now, we can point to all of the defensive injuries at linebacker, at safety, and say, okay, maybe it's just the fact that we're playing second and third teamers and these guys are eaten because of that. And even still, though, even even if that is the case, especially in the case for a guy like Jordan Whittington, where he was an unknown quantity coming in, if he's torching second and third teamers, he's in a good spot for a true freshman, a guy who still should be in high school right now, who should still be sitting in some algebra class at, at Quero High School there. So... Still a positive return for him, at least as far as his development is concerned. But you're right. Zero-sum game. Uh, good running backs could mean the defense is terrible. Could mean we have good running backs. You, you can't really tell. You can't give too much credit or take too much credit from any one side. All right. Uh, so let's roll into some of the other players we really want to watch. Um, so I'm personally excited to see what happens with Brew McCoy. We've heard he's extremely versatile, that uh, he's been making some highlight catches. And uh, we also got some reports from the Football Brainiacs that this week we might hear his eligibility status for the 2019 season. So it's a pretty big week for him. Yeah, so hopefully the one that we've got circled um, as the thing... The part of this podcast is going to be most out of date by the time we actually have finished editing and release it. Uh, hopefully we know before this is dropped. If not, it's hopefully very close. Uh, the next next big thing that we're really, um, next player that we're really watching, we want to see Casey Thompson, um, see how he's doing with the QB2 competition. Obviously he was someone who was in the transfer portal, considered leaving Texas. Cameron Rising also transferred out, went to Utah. But Casey Thompson ended up coming back Want to see how he looks, how he looks with more development after a redshirt year, and also see how he stacks up against Roshan Johnson looking for that backup quarterback position. Yeah, and this is one area, like we mentioned, silver lining, Sam being uh, sick, allowed us to give first team reps to Casey and uh, a little bit to Roshan as well. So again, this is just building depth for next for this year and next year. And it is important um, to have those guys getting those reps just because to this point, Sam has not shown the ability to stay healthy for an entire season. So it's a very real possibility 
that whoever the backup quarterback is is going to get maybe a game or two total worth of snaps in live game situations. So it's important that they're ready. So we're real excited to watch Casey Thompson and Roshan Johnson. Uh, from there, uh, another guy that we're excited for is DeMarvion Overshone. Uh, we talked about with all those injuries to the safeties. Um, he's one of those guys that was sort of on the edge, considered transferring. And really, until he's a guy who's starting regularly, he's going to be someone to keep an eye on as far as will he, won't he, um, in the offseason as far as keeping him in the fold. But it'll be real exciting to see how he looks. Practice reviews from last last fall uh, were all raving about how what a physical specimen he was so it'll be real exciting to see him get some more live game reps yeah and this year the conversation about overshone has already switched to oh you know he's murdering receivers um so generally feels like nobody wants to face him and we already have another hard hitter in bj foster so um i'm interested to see how orlando will try to fit all of these safeties and get him onto the field same with chris brown Um, With that, the next couple of guys that I really want to watch, I'm going to lump them together, are uh, Malcolm Roach and Jeffrey McCulloch. And the reason I lump them together is they're both guys who sometimes flash, sometimes don't. Uh, Sometimes they're playing out of position or just trying to get them on the field somehow. Um, So their careers have kind of been a, um, well, it's been a roller coaster, to say the least. Uh, But now all the reports from... Uh, inside Texas from TFB from uh, 24-7 are that these guys are starting to shine. These guys are playing a ton. Uh, They're being slotted into their natural positions, such as Malcolm Roach being just a defensive lineman and McCulloch being a straight B-backer, I think. So now we get to see them being in position to succeed. So how is that going to pay off? Uh, Are they going to be the new leaders for the defense that lost eight starters from last year? And how will they progress? Uh, yeah, you hit it right on the head. I was going to say, um, I, I'm excited to see them just because those two are going to be the senior leaders, or we're going to need them to be the senior leaders. Um, Malcolm Roach, considered going to the NFL draft, decided to return for his senior year. Um, Jeffrey McCulloch was not in that same boat, but he is a guy who's also going to be a senior. Uh, we know that Malcolm Roach can be a vocal leader. We're going to need even more of that from him now, now that your, your guys like Chris Boyd and Gary Johnson and Anthony Wheeler and Chris Nelson, now that those guys are gone, Charles Amenahue, Brecken Hager, where the emotional center of this defense is going to be, especially with Brandon Jones being out for this whole spring due to the, uh, due to the ankle surgery. It's, it's one of those things. Those are going to be the, the heart and soul of the defense. It's going to run through those upperclassmen. Um, so it'll be definitely something to keep an eye on, see how vocal they are on the field during the spring game. Yeah, exactly. Um, so with that, we're going to get into a little bit of the, not so much the players but, that we're looking at, but more like the position or certain schemes that we want to see from this uh, spring game. And the first one on the list, which has always been on the list, it was on our wish list last year, and it props up again, is, is there any chemistry now between Sam and Devin DuVernay? Because if they start connecting, it opens up the entire offense. Definitely. We saw several times last year where Devin Duvernay, Duvernay could get wide open, whether it was on little slant routes or deep routes, um, where it seems like Sam was just having trouble locating him. If that's something that we can get nailed down, um, we know what Colin Johnson's going to bring to the table. If we have that other um, outside receiver and Devin Duvernay also causing problems for defenses, it's going to be really big. 
And, and it's part of why it was so frustrating when Devin DuVernay had that pubic bone stress fracture or whatever it was exactly that held him out um, was because we need all this time for Sam and Devin DuVernay to get on the same page to make sure they are as lethal as they possibly can be. And, and not just for Devin DuVernay, but really all the receivers who that who's going to be the new slot receiver um, now that we or the new little Jordan Humphrey. As far as who's going to take control in the slot, you, we, we were looking Jordan Whittington possibly was going to play that ends up kind of coming straight into the running back room. We got Jake Smith, who's not coming in until the fall. So as far as taking control in the slot, really looking to Joshua Moore, or is it going to be someone else? Is a guy like Brew McCoy, who is versatile, who can play inside and outside, is he going to be the guy who who uh, takes over the slot? It, it's really going to all boil down to how the chemistry is between Sam and that receiver. Uh, just see who he's got it going on with, who's the new little Jordan Humphrey this year. Yeah, and there's going to be a ton of space in the middle, and that's exactly what little Jordan Humphrey exploited uh, repeatedly. Um, and I thought it was telling that earlier today, Tim Beck had a press conference, and the guys he mentioned as being the go-to receivers were obviously Colin Johnson, Devin DuVernay, and then the third receiver he mentioned was Brennan Eagles, and that really caught my eye. I thought it would have been Josh Moore, maybe even um, Malcolm Epps based on what we're hearing about him. But to see Eagles already get that praise early on, that that's huge for his development. That lets us know what the staff thinks of him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the next thing that I'm really looking for um, is some clarity at offensive line. Uh, it's not really going to be fully sorted out with this spring practice, especially we discussed uh, Parker Braun committing as a grad transfer from Georgia Tech where he was all ACC. Figures to slot in at left guard. So figuring out who that other guard's going to be and, and how that's going to shift everything around. Because as it is right now, it seems like Sam Cosme, uh, Zach Shackelford are the ones definitely set in stone. But from there, who, who's our who's our guard, assuming that Parker Braun's going to step in? Who's our other guard? Who's our other tackle? Uh, Denzel Okafor and Derek Kersetter have sort of been swapping back and forth as far on the right side between guard and tackle, trying to figure out who's better there. And then from there... Assuming those two guys get it worked out, you assume that those two are the ones who are going to end up playing your swing position when someone goes down. Who's the, who's the guy who can play all of the positions well enough to be a stopgap um, until a, a permanent solution is created if there is an injury? And, and it, it's it'll be sort of deceptive. Last year we we watched the spring game. I remember we were sitting there, um, also talking to Will Bazer about just a lot of concern about how the offensive line looked in the spring game last year and they ended up being very surprisingly reliable last season yeah and uh just another thing to add um there, i'm also looking for clarity on the second team out of the line because we've heard reports about the staff loving what they have in christian jones um it was unfortunate he got hurt but maybe we'll get to see a little bit of him and then uh, the next player that the staff really likes is guard Junior Angulao. Angulao? Angulao? Um, sure. I'm not sh- yeah, <laughs> one of those. So they really like him at guard, and it looks like he's going to be the first um, of Herman's recruits uh, that really gets to shine. So I'm not quite sure how he's going to fit into the situation. Maybe he gets a few reps at right guard because there's going to be a big battle brewing for that position. And then the next person that I'm looking for is uh, what happens with the second string center because right now we have Shackelford. He's a senior. 
And other than that, we have nobody. So we've moved tackle guard prospect Rafidi Germay to the second string center spot. And it sounds like they're trying to get him up to speed with snapping the ball, with calling out um, blitzes and things like that. So um, I, I'm not sure what to expect from Jermai, uh, but I do know that Chackerford, he also has an injury history. Last year, he missed some games due to uh, some ankle issues. So that second string center spot, it's going to be very crucial to watch. You know, usually the center is the guy who is the leader of of your offense in some sense, and he does command a position group that's in charge of four other players, and that that's nearly half your offense right there. So that's going to be another major thing to watch. I'm not gonna. I'm not sure how they're going to divide the rosters, so we won't know exactly how it uh, shakes out, but we'll see. And then the uh, the final sort of area that we're going to be also be keeping an eye on is just seeing how our linebacking core is arranged, even. Uh, first team is very uncertain. Really, the only things we know for sure um, seems like Joseph Osai more or less has that B-backer spot locked down, and Jeffrey McCulloch has A spot locked down. We just don't know what spot that's going to end up being, and it's really probably going to come down to who's the next best of the linebackers. We thought it was going to be DeGabriel Floyd. Obviously, he's out, but depending on where McCulloch ends up is really going to tell us where the strength of our linebacking core is. If he's at Rover, it means we're feeling good. We're feeling best about our options at Mac uh, because we feel like Jeffrey McCulloch is our best option, both at Mike linebacker and at that Rover position. So it's a matter of who's going to be the second best at either one of those. Are they going to be closer um, at being the middle linebacker or being the Rover to decide basically how our first string linebackers are going to look. That's something I'm going to keep an eye on. And in addition to, like we said, seeing how Jeffrey McCulloch looks, see who the next best linebacker is um, to settle that position down, despite our razor-thin depth right now. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I guess one more thing that I'm curious about is the cornerback spot. We know that Anthony Cook has one spot locked down. Uh, but now we have another spot, and who's going to take that over? So it's probably a battle between Kobe Boyce, who is going to be a redshirt sophomore, and Jalen Green, who I believe should be a redshirt freshman, or is he just going to be a sophomore? I can't remember how many games he played. Uh, that yeah, that I'm not sure. I feel like he was pretty. Sim- I think he played more. I don't think he got to redshirt because I think he saw quite a bit of time. Oh on yeah, we played teams. him a lot of special teams. Yeah, exactly. My bad. Um, so yeah, we're going to see a battle between those two players. The difference is Kobe Boyce, uh, much more experienced, has two, three years in the weight room now, but Jalen Green is just, he's a complete specimen. Um, if you wanted to build another Chris Boyd um, athletically, you know, Jalen Green would be it. So ideally, I guess Jalen Green wrestles the spot away from Kobe Boyce, but we're probably going to see both of those dudes play a lot. And then the next guy up is probably going to be uh, Deshaun Jamison, who was a receiver last year since they had a uh, deficit at that position. But now he's going to move back to his uh, natural position. Um, He's lightning quick, and maybe he can uh, earn some playing time there as well. So there's a lot of spots that um, aren't that are quite fluid, and we don't have any definite starter at them yet. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, who the team favors moving forward. 
Yeah, and, and that also extends not just to the boundary corners, but also at nickel. The expectation is that uh, Josh Thompson, who was sort of playing second fiddle to P.J. Locke last year, that he's going to step into that position. But then who's behind him, um, and is anyone able to sort of red, like move him out of the way? Maybe B.J. Foster. It could be B.J. Foster. It could be an overshone type of guy. It could be Deshaun Jameson. Like we said, the coach has been raving about him and his versatility as a as a cover guy. So uh, a lot of good things to see there. I think uh, ideally for me it would be um, instead of uh, giving it to Josh Thompson, who um, you know makes some iffy decisions at times. We if we could get that position a lockdown to Chris Brown or Demarvion Overshone, it would solve some of the issues at safety and get a guy who um, is just a better athlete, honestly, at that yeah. position. Um, and and with that that. that basically brings us to the end as far as talking about the spring game and given that this isn't an actual opponent we're not going to come up with too many hot takes um nor do we have anything to uh really discuss as far as who to fire there's there's really not a whole lot to get out of recruiting reports from 995ers or spring practice reports so we're going to turn our attention to a different sport and we're going to ask would you fire shaka smart oof Okay, so the answer to that is pretty simple. You know our philosophy. We usually operate on one principle. If you're the current coach, that automatically makes you the least qualified to be the head coach of any Texas team. So, yeah, naturally, Shaka Smart, by that rule, is the least qualified coach we could possibly have. So, yeah, fire Shaka Smart. The NIT, which is a thing, doesn't change all that much. We have so many years of data to to show us that he has not done well outside of maybe recruiting a few five stars. So I, I don't know. I, I give this answer as a semi-serious, semi-hot take thing. Yeah, man, just fire Shaka Smart. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'll take it even a step further as far as b- being a hot take. For me, it not not only do I not care about basketball, but <laughs> in the end... I, I have no sort of preconceived notion about how much the University of Texas actually cares about basketball. Uh, people like to turn to, oh, the early to mid-2000s when Rick Barnes was at his peak at Texas um, as the expectation for what Texas basketball should be. In the end, I mean, basketball at Texas is ultimately just amounts to a sideshow attraction. It is just exists in the off season for something to distract us while we wait to get back to football season. Like I said, Rick Barnes, that that era, semi-popularity with the university, that's the exception, not the rule. That's why Chris Del Conte has to do some creative accounting and do a totally different, fun, like, privately funded arena to replace it. That's why he has to bring in Matthew McConaughey. He does not have the ability to sell that basketball program to donors like he does with the football program, um, despite the fact that the football program's visibility has shown issues at the end of Mac Brown's tenure with Charlie Strong's tenure, the donors are still significantly more interested in helping the football program than they are helping the basketball program. And that extends all the way down. The alumni don't really care. Current students don't really care. No one shows up for the games. And it's not just because the drum sucks. It's it's just everything. It's, it's just general apathy about the sport. That's not going to change. So if you fire Shaka Smart, you're spending a whole bunch of money to not only fire him and 
buy out the rest of his staff. But then you have to buy out the new coach. And even if the results are good to where we're making the tournament but not necessarily doing what Chris Beard is doing at Texas Tech, we're, we're making the NCAA tournament. We might win a game or two in the, to get into the Sweet 16 or something sort of as our peak, really. But in the end, the enthusiasm is really never going to be strong enough, I feel, to justify spending that much money on men's basketball at Texas. So I would say don't do it. Don't fire him. But in the end, I, I don't care. Yeah, that really, um, wow, man. I didn't know you felt so negative. Not even negatively, just, um, I guess, nothing about Texas basketball. Yeah, I mean, it... Like, I'll I'll put it on if I'm not doing anything else, but I, I don't make time for Texas basketball. If it happens to be on and I'm looking for something to watch, yeah, I'll, I'll watch it. And I'll sort of, like, keep an eye on the standings and get the alerts on my phone from ESPN about how we did at the end of games. But I'm not going to watch it like a hawk. I don't care about the recruiting. It's It's just there. It just exists. And I think that really all extends to just my general apathy for basketball as a sport in general. Like I consider the NBA the worst of the the worst product of the major sports leagues in the country. So my my enthusiasm for basketball is already lower than even the lowest sort of average that you can expect out of a Texas fan. And and that has nothing to do with Shaka or who the coach is or how we're doing. I don't care about college basketball really until March. That's all it is. Frankly, I find it difficult to even care much about college basketball just because, you know, the quality is much lower, but not in a fun way like college football is. And in a general sense, I guess I've kind of become numb to the way we play under Shaka Smart, where we're just kind of, um, I, I don't know, it just seems like we are uh, we have no direction at times, and then we'll get into massive holes where, where we'll go like five or six, seven minutes without scoring. So I think it's a very bad product to watch at times and that leads me to having apathy and i'm generally a basketball fan i enjoy watching professional uh, basketball but i can't get into texas basketball and that kind of turns me off from the rest of college basketball because uh, it just reminds me that oh man we're just kind of there but yeah. on the bright it, side it might... we do get to finish the year being the 69th best team which is pretty fucking nice nice well, that brings us to the end of our spring game preview episode. Both Tux and I have prior commitments, so we won't actually be watching the spring game live. We won't be there in person, and we won't be watching it when it's actually on TV. We're going to have to come back, circle back, and watch recordings of it. But we do hope you guys who get to watch it enjoy it, especially those of you who actually make it to DKR this Saturday to watch the team in person. Um, we'll be back with another episode next week with our review of the spring game after we've watched those recordings and we'll give you our thoughts about where we stand looking ahead to fall practices, which are holy shit, still a few months away. This is going to take forever. Uh, well, in the meantime, uh, be sure to follow us on Twitter at, at the FTH podcast. We are sharing our top 25 plays of the 2018 season. Um, and we're revealing a new one every Saturday at noon central time, counting down until kickoff against Louisiana tech. Please also follow or subscribe to us on the podcast platform of your cho- your choosing, whether that's on iTunes, on Google, on Spotify, uh, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Overcast, wherever, and give us some feedback either there or on Reddit when we post the episode 
uh, whenever this finally goes live. We also have a form on our new website. I don't remember if we mentioned that we have a website now on our last episode, but we do have a website now. And you can fill out that form and you can send us an email with suggestions or questions or anything else you have to say about the podcast. And you can find all that at theftchpodcast.com. Uh, thank you all for listening and we'll see you next week. Hook'em. Hook'em. <laughs>